Musicians graduate from music schools and are immediately freelancers. And then we try really hard to pass auditions to become employees. While pretty much the rest of the world does it the other way around. They get a job right out of school and then try really hard to leave that job to start their own thing. Since these are basically opposite career directions, why does school prepare musicians the same way they prepare engineers or doctors? Today we have a guest joining us who has gone from freelancing to working as an employee of a giant school system to becoming his own boss. And we get into the pros and cons of each area of work, the difficulty in switching back and forth, and what it means to be successful or feel successful in whatever you do. I think you're really going to love it. Well, this is the Per Service Podcast, the place for conversations with classical musicians. We started this podcast for all you musicians out there, practicing, driving to gigs, teaching snotty little children who don't appreciate your talent or your efforts, and who just want to hang out with some people who get it. We obviously can't be there in person with you, but thank you for taking us along with you on your journey. Our conversations really mirror the structure of what we're doing here. The blog and podcast is the freelancing-related side of orchestraexcerpts.com, which is a resource for studying and practicing for orchestra auditions. We have these dual career paths of building a freelancing career and network while still preparing for the big audition and trying to build a business in addition to that. So we practice what we preach here. We don't really preach either, no. If you're new to the podcast, you can read all about who we are at perservice.co. In short, we are freelance musicians who have played in major symphony orchestras, Broadway musicals, video game soundtracks, cruise ship quartets, intimate chamber concerts, weddings, awkward romantic dinner background music, even more awkward birthday parties for celebrities. You name it, we've probably done it. Also, thank you to Fix Music Publishing for providing the hosting for the show. If you're looking for high-quality sheet music at an affordable price, Fix Music is worth checking out. They have your Baron Rider, Henley Edition, and other great Urtext editions. And when I look at my bookcase, I'm always glad that I spent some money and bought a great edition instead of just printing stuff off of IMSLP, because I usually just throw that stuff out. I love their tagline, fixed music is music worth playing. So good. So they currently are stocking violin, piano, and small ensemble selections, such as trios and string quartets. You can visit fixmusic.com. That's F-I-C-K-S music.com. And if you use the promo code PERSERVICE at checkout, you'll get 10% off your order. Nice. All right, here is the show. Cool. I, Michael uh, and I were actually in Milwaukee. Yeah, they were. How did that go? Not now. Um, you know, we we started drinking pretty early that day, so that's how it went. <laughs> yeah. Did you go to the Water Street Brewery? We did. Sure did. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that's that's where I went after unsuccessful Milwaukee audition. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The, the funniest thing to me is I was in there just like drink is like 11 a.m. drinking, mm-hmm. right? Like with it's my okay buddy. It's it's Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's it's a requirement in Wisconsin. Yeah. And and the bartenders like, we're like, what are you doing? Oh, we're auditioning for the Milwaukee Symphony. And they're like, the uh-huh. what? And it just struck me. It's like, if you're one it's, block it's from the hall, It's across the, the, the no street. Idea. Right. 
That we is, actually had the opposite. We were there with a couple people, and he's like, "I was like, what are you guys here celebrating?" I was like, "Well, we're celebrating that we all just lost the same job." Yeah. And he's like, "Oh man, I'm sorry." And he's like, "Who were?" He's like, "Were you auditioning for Milwaukee Symphony?" We're like, "Yeah." He's like, "Well, they're really reputable, but keep trying." <laughs> we were like, oh, oh. "I was like, thank, yeah, thank, thanks. Thanks. they're really Funny. reputable, and we all suck." Like, I don't. I was just <laughs> thanks like, for really rubbing it in. I was like, well, they're super reputable. So mm-hmm. actually, Anna sent me an audition notice for Breckenridge Music Festival, mm-hmm. which I've always wanted to do, except that they pay $375 a week. Yeah, it's it's madness. Like, I don't think you could keep your apartment like back home. <laughs> You'd have to. Yeah. Like, no. Right? It, and it's a month and they put you up in like in really nice lodging and stuff. But I was like three seventy five. You would make less than fifteen hundred dollars. I don't know. I was just like, that's not worth my time making the tape. Well, and then you look at the list of musicians that are doing. And they're really good. Yeah. It's that there's a festival out here in Oregon, not out here. Oh, Brit. Yeah. And I did Brit and I could not believe how low it paid. I did the math uh, and it was $26 a service is what it came (laughs) out to. And and then, right. I remember those days. But they have like legit people playing that. Everybody's got an orchestra gig and they're like, we're, we're having so much fun coming out to, to Oregon. And, but you look at the schedule and it was doubles every day, three weeks, two programs. You had no time off. So it's like you're, you're doing this festival, I guess, to hang out in Oregon. But all you're doing is just like playing for 26 bucks of service in Oregon. That's and like then going to the bar and spending it's you like know. more than $26. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I yeah. And then you lost done. On that one. Whoa. All right. So if you haven't guessed who our mystery guest is for you longtime podcast listeners, the mystery man in the room is none other than podcasting legend Jason Heath. Insert massive applause, as as I did with my Greg episode. (laughs) Oh, man. Thanks for having me. And I I like inserting myself into other people's (laughs) podcasts, I guess. So thank you. There's this base uh, podcast, Jeff and Lauren, and there's one episode from last Mm -hmm. year. It's Jeff, Lauren, and Jason. (laughs) Just surprise. Weird guy in the photo that's in the back. Thank Uh, you. Yeah, no, you are the host of uh, Contradance Controversial. No, that's that's not it. Contra based conversations, right? That is a podcast that has been around before anybody knew what a podcast was, right? You started in January 1st, 2007. That's just amazing. But I'm also, I'm interested to talk to you today about um, sort of all the different facets of life you've had. (laughs) That sounds like you you have uh, reincarnated multiple times, (laughs) but no, not like that, (laughs) but um, just gone from the so out of school correct me if i'm messing any of this up anywhere but out of school you were doing the super freelancer freeway philharmonic road warrior thing right you're doing driving from chicago to playing chicago lyric at night milwaukee ballet in the morning uh memphis <laughs> playing an iris um sort of living the dream like you're out of college you're making a living as a musician yeah and then sorry this is gonna this is gonna be the drive-by uh bio here <laughs> my apologies uh and then somewhere along the line start teaching uh orchestra right high school orchestra in the uh suburbs of Chicago. And then now are focusing like full time on the podcast and creating courses. And, and so you've kind of transitioned from the freelancer to having a job, job, being an employee, and now kind of doing your own thing and the entrepreneurial path and stuff like this. And sorry, oh, that's a buzzword I, I hate using. Uh, entrepreneurial. Yeah, like everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. And it's so hard to spell too. I, I, I guess I can <laughs> un- unpack my baggage later, but, uh, so is that, is that, 
basically right. Did I, yeah, did I care right. Yeah, exactly. Living the dream or the nightmare, right? <laughs> right. Okay. Realize not right. <laughs> yeah, this is just a real recent pain point for me. Um, is that I'm I'm sort of happily in the freelancing world and but still sort of taking these big auditions kind of swinging for the fences be like all right i'm gonna go take this big audition because there's still that like part of me that's like oh i i really wish you know maybe i still would really want a full-time orchestra job and really want to live that live live that life and then the the closer that i get to that audition i start self-sabotaging myself and start thinking why, why do you want that? No, you, you, you have a happy life right now. Like you enjoy being a freelancer and you love having control of your life. And if you get a job, you're going to have no control over your life. You're going to have no input in what you play. And you're just going to like punch in and punch out and hit your life. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I was wondering, did you ever, did you ever feel this sort of like unsettledness and you're like, I'm ready to oh, change it up and I want to. Yeah, of course. Well, haven't, haven't we all felt that? I mean, I feel like that's like you're, you're describing like my daily conversation with myself. Like, what the <laughs> heck am I doing with my life? Yeah. And that self-sabotage, like for me, I was just, have you ever, any of you ever hit that point where you're just like, is this my life? Uh, every minute yeah. of every day. <laughs> Currently right. happening. Currently, it's right I'm now. Like, what am I doing with my life? Right. <laughs> I just have that soundtrack of "This is your life." Are you who you wanna be? Like running nonstop in my. Sorry. That's the, who is, well, what is that? Is that nineties? I don't even know. Well, no, no, no. That's from Ryan K. Is that? No, no, no. That's Switchfoot. Are you who you wanna be? I think that's Switchfoot. Mike, you gotta drop that um, in the I'll podcast. Right in there. there. You gotta anyway, what Jason like, was saying. <laughs> do you feel like I mean, because like have Anna, you're doing all that, you're playing on Broadway right now, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I <laughs> so, guess if I have to. So like when I would do something like that, I'd have all my other like gigs that sort of built up, right? So then I sub out of everything. Like I would sub Lyric Opera. And it's like, hey, Lyric Opera, I'm making 350 bucks a service or whatever. That's mm-hmm. that's great, you know? Yeah. Um, but they're using me for one opera. So, and that one opera is happening Saturday night. So I have to bag on a whole week of freelance work that might call me again. Oh, yeah. So like, I just felt like I hit this earnings ceiling, right? And like my time, here's my time. And no matter what I do, I'm I'm just like treading water career-wise. And I just see so many friends, the same thing. Yeah, you sort of feel like you have to hang on to it. Like, oh, I got to keep my name on the list. I got to keep showing up or otherwise someone else is going to get it. The fear of the the sub life. I mean, I feel like that's what I'm... Oh man, I'm I'm in that right now, and it's just like, oh god, it could go away at any second. Then what do I do? A, a, a friend of mine here in San Francisco, and it's weird moving to a place like I was in Chicago 21 years, right? And now I'm here, been here eight months, so I've never really oh, moved oh. anywhere. And you know, you build up a a lot. You do, you don't realize all the connections you've built and all the gigs and opportunities and stuff until you go somewhere totally new. So I'm talking mm-hmm. to a freelancer friend of mine here, and they're like. Uh, 20 minutes response time. That's like the max Get for a freelancer. Out. I'm thinking like, yeah. checking my email every 20 minutes. You know, like that. I, it just like all that anxiety that goes along with that. Yeah, no, that's what I've I've heard about that out there, especially like in LA in the recording scene. Yeah. Like 
20 you know, minutes, 15, 20 minutes and they move on. I always, like mm-hmm. always have my phone off though. Or like I get out of rehearsal and forget to turn it on and like, pff, there it goes. <laughs> I would never, I would never see it. Which is healthy uh. though. I mean, like, like I just, I, that, that perpetual, you know, dopamine rush kind of, kind of checking thing. I, I've been in that phase so much in my life. I, I remember I was taking a walk with my wife and I like mm-hmm. checked my school email on my iPhone. It was a Saturday and it like totally stressed me out. Cause there was like a parent email. And, and I just realized like, what am I doing? I yeah. just like ruined this hour. We're like walking around having a good time with this stinking. And, and at that point I turned off notifications on my phone. So I've, I definitely have lost a couple gigs, mm-hmm. but well, you have to decide you want the gig or mental sanity. Yes. And yeah. like, sometimes that's actually a really hard choice, but <laughs> I would say mental sanity is the healthier decision. I'll say it that way. Well, sort of what brought me to this topic was that because right out of school, right, you're immediately thrust into being a freelancer. And it's it's really the opposite of Mm -hmm. quote unquote normal people that when you get out of school, you get a job and it's like you're an employee and there's Mm -hmm. all this you know, struggle of like, I'm going to get out of this job. I'm going to do my own thing. And like for a lot of people, that's, really difficult to quit the job and musicians are completely backwards that we're thrust out. And it's like, you have to, it's the sink or swim. Like you got to be a freelancer. And then we, we, after a couple years of that, we're like, you know, I think I'd like to be an employee. (laughs) And it's, it's like, it's, it's really weird. Right. Did you, so one of the big pains you said was that you felt like you hit this earning ceiling that there was no longer any more gigs that you could get to. There was no more Saturday nights in a year that you could play a concert on. Yeah. Yeah. For, for sure. For, and you know, I don't know about, did any of you think you were going to be a freelancer when you got out of school? I, for me, I did not. I was, that was like my last case, worst possible scenario option. Yeah. Yeah, No, I was going to have a job. Yeah. And like, right. You know, and actually a couple of years ago, Anna gave me this t-shirt that says living the dream. And dream is crossed out and it says plan B. And I've like, I've like gone through the alphabet now, like five times. Well, I, pa- well, I'm I like passed it on to her. Plan. It was mine. So let's be clear. I wasn't just like being rude. <laughs> <laughs> it was bequeathed. It was bequeathed. Yeah. Greg, my husband gave it to me. He was at the time, just my friend. <laughs> he gave it to me. And I was like, should I be offended by this? And then I passed it on to Jess a couple of years later. And now it's like living plan totally. triple no. L. I don't I know. You know, it's us. like it just and I think the music world has changed, too. And so like, yeah, this is not my plan. <laughs> well, and it's so funny talking to that earlier generation, right? Like like they're, like people that got jobs in the 70s, you know, in Chicago, the Lyric Opera had a dark year, I think around 1970. And so a lot of the orchestra got hired then. And and talking to that, that's just a, it was a different era. Right. I was describing, oh, my I have a student going here or this or that or this. And the and the and the response of the principal base hmm. at the time was like, How are any of those people going to find jobs? Yeah. And I was like, They're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not like you know it. Yeah, Your yeah. world is not increasing. You know, it's yeah. it, what about you you Christian? Or was that was that always your sort of the dream too for do was to do orchestra life or I did you have other so. uh, I think during undergrad I always thought that I would then go to grad school and hopefully win an orchestra job. And then I think when I moved to Europe, I just kind of, it sounds bad if I say I stopped having a plan, but I just kind of every year turned into like, we'll see what I'll do next year. And then I kept, I don't know, like new things kept coming. And then I really liked gigging. And I think freelancing over here is 
much different than in the States because, you know, with classical music being rooted here and, you know, even the most random people on the street know what a Janacek string quartet is. Like you just have, it's a completely <laughs> different understanding. I'm not kidding. Um, it's a completely different understanding of classical music and, and the appreciation for it. So I think the freelancer life here is not nearly looked, maybe it's looked down upon as it is in the States. Um, and I think also because I'm doing a lot of other things outside of music, it kind of, kind of assuaged this need of having a full-time job. Mm-hmm in an orchestra. Let's talk about that. The other things outside of music, because I think this is one of the things that freelancers start to dabble in is this idea of like building your own thing and starting your own projects and not having to be a slave to answering the phone or the text that says like, Hey, are you available right now? And because in that world, it's like, you're always trading your time for money. Yes, it feels like you have some autonomy, you have some control over, you can say yes to, I want to do this or I want to do that. I don't want to play the Enigma variations one more time in my life, so I'm going to avoid it at all costs. I'm sorry, that's my my story. Is like, I kind of see what, what orchestras are playing the Enigma variations, and I'm like, <laughs> not going there. <laughs> Just don't care to play that again. Sorry, I'd, <laughs> Michael, listen to care. So we start to sort of dabble in these like, hey, you know, I'd like to make a recording. I'd like to start start my own studio or something like that and that that's sort of i think we start dabbling in this um creating a business uh for ourselves which is also very opposite from the the normal people that are working a job and be like first first i gotta go i can't go from being an employee to owning the business i gotta start doing some freelancing and start doing some consulting and and stuff so that's another sort of out of step category that i think musicians are kind of go through. For sure. I think I'm much better at this now a couple decades down the road, but I was so concerned about what others thought about what I was going to do, right? Like if I don't land that job or if I don't make it entirely in music, I'm a failure, right? Do, do, have you guys? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, and and oh. that was a big thing for me. Like Preach the it. ultimate loser move for me was going into teaching in my mind um, because my 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 parents mm-hmm. were both teachers, right? And, and I think of a, I, I, private students are one thing. And it's interesting because most of us, I don't know how much you guys teach on the side, but most freelancers are teaching too, right? And it becomes mm-hmm. a, maybe 50%, maybe 75% for a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but I think there's a sort of like this posh, like, oh, I just, I teach on the side, like, because yeah. I have all this free time and I'm doing right. my little service to humanity. It's different than yeah. the like, I'm going to be an education major and I'm yeah. going to work in the trenches. And, and, and I know, and it's, it's a bad characterization, but I looked at the music ed students at the places I went and it's like, Oh, how cute, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, good try. Uh, so for, for, for me, I would like resisted that, but, and at a certain point I just did, I, I, decided I like decided I'm just going to go back to school. I'm going to quit freelancing. I'm going to quit doing all that. And I realized it doesn't have to be either or. Hmm. And well, that was one lesson. And the other was nobody, nobody's thinking that much about me anyway. Right. I'm so worried about what people are thinking about. They're just thinking about themselves and they don't care. And if anything, it made me more interesting because I was all of a sudden, instead of just like another random bass dude, 
playing gigs. I like was doing this and I actually ended up getting more gigs going, going back to school, which is fascinating. So you went from, wait, so and sorry then, to interrupt you. Mm-hmm. You went, you were freelancing yeah. and then you went back to school or you went, you went straight yeah, to is, teaching. Then I went, then I went, no, I, then I got certified. I had two really painful years of still freelancing and playing gigs and going to school with like a bunch of 18 year olds. And I remember in percussion methods, this is like my lowest oh, no. point. Percussion method, right? So I'm like, I've played with, you know, all these professional groups Mm -hmm. and there I am sitting with a bunch of 18 year olds. And, and this one guy said, we were trying to find an alternate time for our final because we all had. And so we found a time and this one guy said, that doesn't work for me. And I, and we said, why? He said, cause I've got prom. (laughs) And I said, prom? He's like, my girlfriend. Girlfriends in in high school. What are you? Oh, yeah, but that's only my God. different. That's a, and that made me feel oh, man. Right? Yeah, it did. Holy that was, crap. That was two really tough years, uh, wow. for sure. Uh, so so then you, you got a certification uh, to teach, and you got a job uh, teaching high school. And so did that, yeah. Did right away, were you like, oh, yes, this is it. This is what I was missing in my life. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I was real, tra- I, I got this part-time but it was but it was with benefits job and it was Ah. an orchestra assistant and symphonic band assistant so like a hundred person like the goof off band right so i (laughs) i that was talking about trial by fire like a string player and i like i'm not really sure what's going on and and i learned on the job for sure but it was like one of it was a good job because all of a sudden like money just appeared in the bank All right it's like every two weeks direct what? deposit yeah. what is yeah that? direct deposit and yeah for sure. and then i ended up taking a full-time job and i i started to get into it i started and and what was interesting to me this might be totally off topic but i think musicians think that what they're doing is creative like going and playing mm-hmm. gigs and, t- and and i as soon as i started teaching i realized like wait a minute what I was just driving and playing what someone was telling me to play. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of the same thing over and over. Whereas I had total control in this environment. I could, hey, I want to do this. Oh, we can find money to do this. And I found it sort of scratched that itch of why I went into music in the first place. And I never, which, I did, which, why, what, if you could summarize that, what, what is the reason you went into music? Just to like make stuff and be creative. And it's hard to, for me to put into words, but I knew that freelancing didn't scratch that itch. I was just kind of like, uh, here we, and not that I don't enjoy playing the bass and playing music. And, mm-hmm. and I think it doesn't, it doesn't have to be in these neat boxes, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can do that kind of job and hey, people didn't think less of me. Amazingly. And even if they did, who cares? Right. And, yeah. and more gigs happened. And I started conducting. I started really enjoying that. And then I started to get all these conducting gigs with youth orchestras. Hmm. And I, and so it's job, no job. It's just finding opportunities and exploring and pursuing. And so that, that yeah. going back to school, like weirdly, it like kicked me off into a more creative path. That seems so counterintuitive to what, I, like in my head, <laughs> it means like, oh, you're shackling yourself to the snotty little children that don't appreciate your talent or your efforts. And you're right. just going to be like uh, repeating these uh, maxims. Like if you don't have your pencil, you're repeating the same mistakes. Like <laughs> like the, the, these things that you just like have to say forever to all the time. But that is really interesting. Yeah. But, but part of that's like welcome to education in the United States, sadly, depressingly, like one town, one one job, one town over can be totally different from another job in terms of pay. In terms mm-hmm. of so I had these, what you call like kind of high end. I don't know if there, there's got to be a better mm-hmm. term orchestra jobs. Right. So it was kind of like youth orchestra during the day. Where and, were you teaching? 
It's suburban. Oh, you're from Shanghai. Yeah. I was I was in Libertyville, oh. and then my last job was in Vernon Hills, and okay. then between that, I was at Glenbrook North and South. So if you've seen Ferris, Ferris Bueller's Day, Day Off, off. Yeah. yeah, you got it. Bueller, right? Okay. There was a big hazing incident a few years before I got hired there, and it, it made the national news. Yeah, no, I I, I went to Lyons Township High mm-hmm. School, and like, sure. we so like. Yes, I know about. Yeah, that. I know. I uh oh, we're getting these. Are, this is great. Um, so when I got hired, you'll love this. So new teacher training we're going through, and they they made a real point. They they said we don't haze anymore, but <laughs> but but if but if we did haze, we'd be the best at it. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that actually that doesn't surprise me. Is that weird? <laughs> Which was such a great summary That's of my amazing. time. Amazing! Wow. But if we did, if but if we, we did, did, did you know, if we were into that sort of thing, but yeah. well, I'm not, not saying we are. But we're but, not. You know, but if uh, you know, amazing. Uh, oh so God. it sounds like kind of when you when you switched from one area of going from a freelancer to being a teacher, like switching, not not necessarily careers, but just I don't know avenues of being a musician like you don't it's not a seamless transition like you there is the like you have to go back to school and go take all these like terrible classes that with with 18 year olds like it's not smooth sailing it's like i'm just gonna pick up right where i left off and that was my experience yeah there were a hard couple of years yeah for sure and i wish there wasn't that stereotype about music education students like i've i've teach so many bass students and not a one ever does music ed boy is it hard to go back to school after you've built your life up and it was mainly because my wife decided she was a freelance harpist. So freelance harp, freelance mm-hmm. bass. And she came home one day and just said, that's it. Done with this. She auditioned for the army band on harp and didn't got to the finals, but didn't get the gig. And she came on. She's like, I almost joined the army to play harp. This is it. And so she went back to me- medical school. I, I, I see those audition listings and I'm like, do I want to join the right. military? Right. Yeah, I don't. I, and I learned You're a like, lot. Yes, lo- I learned losing a lot being some- in DC and observing those those folks too. And like, what? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I almost joined, I just love that. I almost joined the army to play the right. harp. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, and you know, there's like an age limit, so I'm like, okay, if I I can, I'm gonna put it off one more year. Okay, <laughs> one more year, you know, and then it's gonna Man. be like, oh crap, I gotta do it now. <laughs> I'm gonna be too old. God bless those people. Even that adjustment is a little rough, even if you are just freelancing and you move from one city to another. Like I was doing pretty well when I was after school, I was in Pittsburgh and playing the Eeries and all the McKee sport and doing, doing a lot of like pretty comfortable gigs. And then, um, after getting married and relocating to Nashville, like, yeah, you kind of have to start at the bottom. Like you kind of have to do, you have to struggle. And I, even when I was in Nashville, I had friends that were, you know, subbing in Detroit and, and they moved to Nashville thinking they were just going to pick up right. And, you know, then now we're all driving two hours to the Chattanoogas and the Huntsville's and the Bowling Greens. It's like, there's, it's, it's not, you don't like switching is there is sort of that period of like, uh, am I sure I want to do this? And it's like, maybe I should, maybe I should just go back to yeah, where I, where I was. And well, I think you talked about that on a previous podcast and like somebody, maybe it was Christian is like a one or two year, like it takes a couple of years to get that momentum going. And it's funny for me, like mm-hmm. being out here in San Francisco, like going around and playing for people. I haven't played for people since I was like oh, 22. Yeah. Right. And it just turned yeah. 40. So it's weird to like get all nervous, like play my Beethoven five. Oh, I'm a little shaky, you know? And, and then, mm-hmm. Oh, maybe I'll get called, you know? And like, and it's just funny to be, 
be back in that position in terms of playing from where, you know, when you're someplace and you're established and you're kind of in that network, you're the, op- you're the person that people come to play for. Right. So it's a funny, yeah. Right. Freelancing does not, uh, relocate easily. What brought you out to California? My, my wife, uh, re- radiology residency at UCSF, which is a top program in the country. And it was one of those moments, I mean, living in a cold climate, right? And for years and years and years, and then, hey, I get, she got this interview in San Francisco. Oh, and then she went out and she said, they seem really interested. Well, let's take a vacation to San Francisco. So we did that in February. So there's like two feet of snow on the ground in Chicago. Land in San Francisco, it's like 65 and sunny. I'm walking around this beautiful town. And I'm thinking, there's no rational argument against this. Yeah. Stay here as long as you can. Never go back. Like only an insane person, like A, being that. And then we get back to O'Hare. And I remember checking the weather report on my phone, and it said thunder snow in Chicago. I'm like, thunder <laughs> snow? That sounds terrible. It's like sunny and gorgeous here. And we just were like driving home from O'Hare. I have to like, clean like you know eight inches of snow off the car and just that sort of misery and yeah we said let's just go for it and we'll figure it out but it was but that was a rocky transition i stayed in chicago for a year and she moved out here first because i was really reticent to let go of all just like you were talking about all those connections yeah yeah uh i mean you're no slouch of course but you seem like you married up i i well i didn't realize i was married (laughs) i didn't realize i was marrying a doctor we met an orchestra like so many people she had a big the the uh-huh. uh, smetna mavlast. You know what what Moldau is from. The yeah. first movement has this major harp cadenza, and that's how we met. She started playing, and I'm like, "Hey there, who's that? <laughs> who's that, who's that, that foxy oh, lady oh, on the harp?" I'll tell right. you, there are a lot of harp and bass couples. Yeah, and yeah. think about the orchestra, and think about where they sit, yeah. and just think yeah. about. We actually on Sunday for the first time in. 13 years we played a recital together and and we we had never tried to fit the harp and my bass in our honda element and we did it but (gasps) it was i i i can't i had to go and like take photos all around the car of it it was it was bonkers like we did it we did did it it's like who cares we'll play the recital we just got it in the car so that was the major accomplishment so after her army um band audition she decided she was going to change careers. Did yeah. that happen? Wow. Do you want to talk about, it's funny, like I, and that was what made me decide. Cause I thought, okay, we're about to flush our financial life into the toilet here. Cause she was doing well as a harp freelancer. It's like, oh, she's going to quit and go to medical school. That sounds expensive and wrong. And I thought, and that was what made me think, well, I either have to keep doing this for 10 years or I have to yeah. make a change and it has to be now because we're about to have no money. And so I just decided to go back to school at the same time. So we went to having like zero money, right? Because um, oh, yeah. we were both in school, both paying, and we both were like kind of making it work freelance wise. Like she'd like go to classes and then bang out a bunch of harp students or go play a wedding. And I would, you know, teach, play, yeah. go to DePaul, DePaul rehearsal ended at 530. I had to play an orchestra, you know, to get my scholarship. And then I'd like just, make it to my gig and it was a hard couple yeah. of but it's so funny to look at the I mean she's still technically in school right I mean she's getting paid mm-hmm. but I for me if you just zoom out it's like it was so easy to move into education I mean uh mm-hmm. two years and I was salaried at a really good place I mean mm-hmm. she's still in right. 
the process. So I think that's one of the big draws, right? Is to being an employee is like, Hey, I want predictability. I want a steady paycheck. I want benefits. And these are all sort of the, the big shiny lights that were like, oh, maybe I want to go there. Have you guys ever felt this? This is another big thing for me. I don't think I realized it when I went back to school, but association, actually saying I'm a part of something like mm-hmm. I got so sick of explaining what. I, oh, you play bass. Do you play in the Chicago Symphony? No. Well, what do you do? Right, uh, right. I do that. And it was just even if it was something like teaching high school, I, it was so nice to say, hey, what mm-hmm. do you do? I teach high school. Everybody's like, I went to high school. I know what that is. <laughs> Got it. Right. Yeah. And, and just like having like a clear path of, oh, I have this training thing I do. And next year I make a little more money than this year. And now we do this. And it was, I feel like there was like an itch I needed to scratch. And there's, there are some real upsides to that. But this whole idea of being associated with a brand or like why everybody loves saying like Grammy nominated. And you're like, oh, he's, yeah. he's recognized by the Grammys. He must have been. Or and right. and a lot of times right, that's right, just right. easier. But I think we talked about that. It's saying like, oh, I play with this orchestra, and people are like, okay, I know, I I know what you're talking about now. If I say like, I sit at home and practice, and I drive, I actually play yeah. with seven different orchestras. Mm-hmm. That's like, it's even that's harder to quantify rather than just saying I play with this one group, and people are like, okay, I know what you're talking about. Well, mm-hmm. even yeah. I just remember like being in grad school, and I was visiting, yeah. I was home visiting mm-hmm. my parents, and some of their friends were over, and they're like, okay, great, so like you you're doing this. And I was doing an artist diploma, which like has no, like nobody knows what that is. If you're not in music, like there's no equivalent that I can think of. And so I just would always say it's like a post-grad degree and they're like, Oh great. So after this, like, where will you get a job? And I was like, well, I won't. (laughs) And they were like, what do you mean? They're like, that doesn't, they're like, well, that's great. Cause now you'll have three degrees. So you'll have like a higher entry pay. I'm like, no, like this literally does nothing to help my life in terms of getting a job. And like, like it's so foreign. Like you go to school because it's supposed to help you get a job and help you get yeah. a better salary and all that. And for us, it's like, yeah, eh, it's just a way to defer paying your loans. And like, yeah. you know, like yeah. it doesn't a, yeah. guarantee you anything. It's yeah. It's like this big lie. You know, this whole <laughs> it's, it's so frustrating. It's funny going into education. All of a sudden, that was the first time that anybody cared about where I went to school. Right. Because I, w- I went to Northwestern good school. But like no one's like it's all. Oh, yeah. All you know, what do you do? What have you done? Which is cool in a way. Cause it's, it's, you're, you're, you're carving mm-hmm. your, your own path out through what you've done. What, uh, but, but all of a sudden those degrees did help and like, Oh, I'm glad I got a master's. This is the first time I'd ever been glad I got a master's. Yeah, right. Uh, that <laughs> but, is funny that it's like, normally degrees don't really, if you're playing behind a screen, if you're taking an audition, who cares? But at, in the education world, and these are, these are sort of the, I think the, the tenure track jobs that as a freelancer, we are either pretty much trying to get like a, a tenure track, uh, teaching position or like tenure in an orchestra. These are like the big jobs, like security, these, and some of them are a vestige of the past. Like they're, they're becoming very difficult to get either the orchestras don't aren't hiring a lot or there's just a plethora of applicants. And also a lot of music schools just are really shrinking. There used to be a lot of these just like liberal arts colleges that have music programs. And they're like, maybe we're just going to have a music emphasis now. Oh, well, you know? But look on that note, though, look at state budgets, like back in Illinois, I, like talking to my colleagues that were teaching at the university level. I mean, they don't have money for 
anything. They're retrenching left and right. So yeah, like the orchestra world. Yeah, some people they think, oh, I'll go get, I'll just go get a university job. Well, it, I, looking at Chicago and my world, the bass, there were all the Chicago Symphony players, all the lyric opera players, right? <laughs> so you got uh, what is that? Fifteen full time double bass jobs in performance how many full-time double mm-hmm. bass teaching jobs are there in chicago zero none of the schools not depaul northwest none of them have full-time faculty mm-hmm. so even and so even if you are lucky enough to get one of those jobs like a buddy of mine <laughs> yeah. adam booker he's teaching up in duluth minnesota yeah. okay from texas and duluth's a lovely place but if you ever check the weather in the winter yeah, it's one of the coldest cities in the world yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're you're maybe you're going to be in Oklahoma or maybe no no diss on Oklahoma but you you're not going to pick where you, that's you got to think about do you want to live kind of in the boonies That's actually a really interesting thing that like a lot of my friends that are not yeah. in music don't get you know, they're like oh I think I'll go back to Chicago after school yeah. or I I kind of have always wanted to live on the West Coast or the East Coast and so I'm just going to go do that and they've had success finding jobs and then for us it's like yeah. Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. They have an opening. I guess I'll go try that. You know, you don't pick where you live or if you want to, then you're really significantly cutting back on your opportunities yeah. or, right. you know, which, which is fine, but you just have to understand that like, okay, if this is where I want to be. Exactly. And yeah. unless, unless like Michael was talking, unless you find a way to mm-hmm. widen that scope you and maybe be, include yeah. things not on the plan, like that was the sure. other fascinating thing for me maybe you guys can relate but like go go through music school and if you if you do everything right there's the possibility of getting a job and then you go into education you have all this opportunity and so all of a sudden it's like oh i could live in san francisco and i could find a job i could live here i could find a job and i spent so many years yeah just like looking at the union paper right and like oh hmm Mm -hmm. Let's see. Like I won a spot in the Memphis Symphony, like one of the part time spots back in like the late 90s. And I was thinking, like, should I move to Memphis? Hmm. What would that life be like? Uh, Really big bugs. Barbecue. (laughs) I mean, like if if you love if you love barbecue. That's my biggest takeaway from Memphis is that the bugs are giant. The bugs are big. The summer, the summers are painful. Summers are brutal. Gotta have a very long. So your your wife decided to move out to California. At that time, were you just loving the teaching job or were you sort of starting to be like, you know, I could let this go and not miss it? And you kind of had at that point, you had been doing the podcast for such a long time and it had started picking up steam again. And so was it, was it, it was an easy choice to be like, all right, I'll just go to podcasting or was it just, or was it this moment of like, I cannot show up at this school at 7am one more day. To to be honest, I, I love that job. I was not like, but you can tell when I made the decision because you can see the day I started putting out podcast episodes again, Mm -hmm. was like the day I decided, okay, I'm going to move to California. So I thought, and we knew that this was, move was going to happen, right? uh, We were Mm -hmm. kind of toying, we didn't know what we were thinking at first, but are we going to maybe come back to the Midwest? Like I was just so reluctant to leave. I think, I think there's some benefit if you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Like if if you really did, you probably would never would take the jump, but there's a lot of that, like you just have to just see what happens. At some point it just became clear. I was like, Oh, I, I haven't really suffered from depression or anything, but I was like, I understand what that is. Like my wife's on the West coast. I'm just sitting at home with the cats, like watching Netflix by myself. (laughs) And and, and at first before, before I got into podcasts and I got really back into running, I was like, I got to do something something because this is going I'm like binge watching like that's all I'm doing like coming home after work and just like 
uh, this is not a good direction. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering if we could go back to what Christian said about the freelancing scene and being maybe looked down upon because you're a freelancer. That's something I've been talking to people about quite a bit. And can you be successful? Can you be considered a successful musician if you haven't won that tenured orchestra job or gotten that tenured professorship somewhere? You know, it's hard. You go to school and the mindset is you go to school to get a job and you're kind of you're just constantly in classes about like, this is how you take an audition. This is how you apply to a job. This is how you write a cover cover letter or whatever. And then you get out of school and maybe you haven't won that job and you are just freelancing. And like Jason had said earlier, you feel like people are looking at you and being like, oh, what a loser. Or like they must suck because they haven't gotten a job. And so I'm wondering, how do we change that? Because I do think it's a mindset, but I think it's a mindset that is beat into us when we're in school. Why do I still think I'm such a loser? (laughs) And why do I assume everyone else thinks the same? But it's not just me. I've talked to some other people in similar situations where I'm like, oh yeah, we feel like, yikes. And where, and where, where does that mindset come from? And to what degree is it school itself that's making that mindset? Well, that's what I mean. I feel like that's really beat into us in undergrad, but that's not the reality of the music world right now. And the reality is most people don't have full-time orchestra jobs. I know a lot of people who have been freelancers and they're playing some great gigs and doing okay. And I don't look at them as being a hack. So like, why do we feel that way about ourselves and how can we fight that or like change our mindset? Well, I think there's a a fine line between being successful as a freelancer and then having the reputation of a fine player. Because if you see somebody who is playing half a season, let's say, with Philadelphia Orchestra, and then they're also in maybe St. Paul Chamber Orchestra for a bit of a season, subbing around basically on or in the nation's top orchestras. And people know they're a really good player. Let's say they went to three different schools or maybe at least two different schools for bachelors and masters and uh, went to a couple of summer festivals. So they know a lot of people around the country and everyone knows like they're a really good player. They're not in one orchestra. They're going to be seen as a successful freelancer or at least as a successful musician. But it's very hard to call yourself a fine player. Like you would never say like, mm-hmm. oh, hi, I'm Jessica. I'm a reputable violinist. Thank you. <laughs> like I'm kind of a big deal around here. It doesn't work like this, you know, and rarely do we walk around telling people to their face like you're awesome. Like I think you're a great freelancer. That also doesn't happen. That's true. Okay. So it's like we stay kind of in limbo, you know, of not knowing where we stand in other people's minds. Then success does also not guarantee you the reputation of being a fine player. But if you look at social media, there are some big personalities out there hacking away on instruments and getting tons of followers and likes and TV show appearances. And you compare them to a large percentage of, you know, musicians out there freelancing and stuff, and they Mm -hmm. pale in comparison. So... Success for a long time, I think, in a lot of different fields has moved away from being directly like about quality. It, it no longer directly correlates to quality. And we have to accept that, I think, as players. And we've we've talked about this before. Getting called back to a gig is not only about your level of playing. There's so much that goes into it. Freelancing, oh, yeah. even winning mm-hmm. a job is no longer one hundred percent solely about your playing. Yeah. So I think you have to 
give yourself a little bit of grace in this situation and say like, what makes me a fine player, successful musician might change on a day-to-day basis. And some days it might be more of the, the PR work I have to do. On some days it's really about my playing. On some days it's based on simply the name of the orchestra I'm subbing with this week. Also, I think, you know, why do we see people sometimes win a good job and then you hear the kind of buzz surrounding it like, but, but how do they win that? Like, they're not that great. Again, success doesn't necessarily equal the reputation of fine player. Yeah, and I think these types of ideas are perpetuated, mostly coming from negative thinking people. Like you're saying, Christian, if someone wins a job, they're like, oh, they don't deserve that. Like, how'd they get that? I play as, as well as they do. And I think it's this yeah. type of mentality that's, that is perpetuated in school and then outside it translates into the freelance world. Because, you know, I look at Jess's life and I'm like, oh, she's subbing every week with the major symphony in her town like she is making it and like but i can't tell her that and you know she well no has it's to just funny because like the, because because she wants to disagree with you see so just well, no like, it's because that. you know it's great like i love it i'm it's it's great but like it the situation with this particular ensemble right now is that like that could disappear for me very quickly sure. so that that's crippling you know, the fear yes. is crippling you instead yes. of you saying like hey look at me this year i'm actually doing really yeah. great right good job me like, right. You know, it's like, we, oh, we don't allow disappear. ourselves. Yeah, we don't allow ourselves to think that. Yeah. That's a that's a great point, because then then what happens when you're not playing with that group? Or well, what, like that, right now, you're that person who used to sub with the San Francisco Sims. Exactly. Or this or that. Yeah. Right. And then your self-worth, mm. if your self-worth's hanging on that. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a tough spot to be in. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because I'm there right now with some things like they, you know, and it's just it's just circumstance. Like it's not that I'm out of subbing. It's just that someone else has come along who has done this before, who doesn't currently have this other work. He's a contractor. So he's getting the the gig that I've been having, you know, and that's just that's the luck of the draw. Right. right. And we are going to go through these phases where we are the number one and then we have to step aside for a while for whatever reason or we get cut out. And we have to know how to cope with that and keep moving. What can you control in life and what can you not control, right? Mm. Focus on what you control. How many times have we heard that? But it's so true, right? Like you can't control all those variable factors, right? Like why I got called to sub for this or not sub for this, or I got called back for an interview for this. And I I shudder to think how much time I've spent obsessing about stuff like that, right? Or like, oh, I I think I smiled a little weird at that (laughs) And that's why I didn't get that call again, you know, or something. Or, oh, ah, maybe I was a little out of tune on that. I guess I better. And it just all feeds into it. You can really get into a destructive cycle. Well, actually, it's funny because Michael and I just had we just took the same audition this past week. And I was cut off really early in the in the list of what they gave us. Mm -hmm. And I'm. You know, and I'm like thinking like, okay, I know there was one out of two note in that first excerpt. And I know it's one that everyone can hear because it's the end of a phrase. But like the rest of it, I th- you know, and you just like start thinking like what. And the thing is that like, who knows? In that same, the, uh, oh, there's, there's got to be a good name for it. The like, post audition analysis. Yeah. Like the post game analysis. Post game analysis of like everybody in the uh, lounge is saying like, oh yeah, I made it through all the excerpts and 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 we all got let go. <laughs> like it's it's not like making it through the list was right. any uh, indication of how yeah. well you were going to do because we right. all got sent home. Yeah, but I made it through the whole list. So there I in the pecking order. And you know what? Like <laughs> Joe Conyers, who's assistant principal base of Philadelphia, uh, he's somebody that he he told me when things started to finally click was when he just completely quit caring what anybody thought and he said i'm going to be true to myself and i'm not going to be weird the week of i'm going to keep 
exercising. I'm going to keep doing just every, it's just going to be a normal day. And he Uh said that he got to the point in auditions where he was like almost laughing behind the screen. He was having such a good time, which I cannot imagine being in that stage. I mean, I love it. I would love it, but I don't see myself doing that. I absolutely, I I absolutely believe that though. I do think once you stop caring, you're just like, Hey, I'm a musician. I know my qualities done. Yeah. And I'm not just in auditioning though. I just think that's what I've learned being here in New York as a freelancer. I have to just be like, Hey, I'm actually cool and I'm fun to hang out with. And this is just another day. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And that's when the best things have happened for me is when I've let go. Well, so it doesn't I necessarily like, I, th- I feel like we need to say if you go into an audition and you're like, yeah, I don't really care. It doesn't mean you're going to win. But hopefully what it means is like, if you don't win, you're not like I'm dead. Yeah. I'm going to throw my instrument right. in the river. That, yeah. or in the road like that's what we don't want and that is so often though how we do feel throw my instrument in the road, in the road. well I, I like some image. places don't have rivers right. <laughs> like just my stay. initial reaction would to be throw it in the body of water but if you don't have that you just have to like make do with what you have which might be a <laughs> kitchen sink, a kitchen yeah, it's sink. Too I actually one time put my instrument in a trash can and took a picture it was oh nice <laughs> yeah but it was a clean trash can. I checked. I love uh, basically, yeah, what Christian said is like, you can worry about thinking what does success mean to you or you can worry about what your success means to other people. And if you're always just trying to mm-hmm. let other people know what success is, it, that's a never ending struggle. And I think you can, and we talk about this a lot, like you can define what success is to you or you can always be trying to have it applied to you and try to let everybody else know like, Hey, I I'm living up to your definition of success for me. <laughs> like I don't know which you're not going to, but I've exact, I've thought that so much, that exact thing. It's like, I've really got to describe to this person how important I am. Listen to how <laughs> successful I am. And I'm trying to like yeah. word things. I even remember with Iris, I was like, uh, cause that orchestra requires some explaining. It's like, mm-hmm. wait, I play in this, I play in this orchestra. Oh no, but they're really good. It's like people mm-hmm. from New York fly in, they fly they're, us in. It's very exclusive. exclusive. It's, very it's so exclusive. exclusive. It's selective. Yeah. It's very yeah. selective. <laughs> right. Right. Do you understand how important I am? Yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> exactly. security and security. Mm. Oh, it's gross. It's so gross. It makes me upset, but it's so real. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is this has been good. I feel like we need to segue into uh, Jason's current endeavors. So I read something really interesting on Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art. Yeah, and I really like how he talks about people kind of needing the the mental distance from their work to be more productive. I believe it's from this book. And how he says, you know, when he first moved to California, he realized people had incorporated themselves. And so, you know, they weren't hiring Michael O'Giblin to write this script, rather Michael O'Giblin, Inc. And then Michael O'Giblin, Inc. was hiring Michael O'Giblin to write the script. And so it kind of created this level of distance and... And he said when when he first started doing that, he realized how much more courage he had to get out there and network and kind of ship his stuff around because it it gave a much clearer sense of professionalism for him. And I think that's something really, I think that's a very good first step um, to becoming, you know, more entrepreneurial as a freelance musician is that it doesn't mean that you have to set up this gigantic business with a ton of overhead costs. You can simply, you know, find Mm -hmm. out ways that you can market yourself as professional services, you know, come up with a business name. And that already kind of gives you some guidelines because I think that's what Mm -hmm. it is. People need a mental framework for how can I operate 
more as a business rather than as a single person who has to wear five different faces every day, rather than having a business that wears the five faces for you and that can hire you. I mean, we're all running around. We're all like small businesses and we don't realize it. Anyway, with the teaching and the playing and this and that. And, and I think so many of us think that we're just like in this waiting room for a professional job. If you just make that mindset change or change the framework, like Christian was saying, I think that that's, that's a great yeah. place to start. And I'll admit, I have a lot of baggage on about this word entrepreneurial musician. And because... Growing up, yeah, I had that stigma of like, if you didn't get a job, that means, well, your other other option is you got to start your own thing because all these gatekeepers said that you're not good enough. And so I had this stigma of like, well, like if you got to take business classes or entrepreneur classes as musicians, you're just preparing yourself to not make it as a musician to be, and which is totally messed up. It's messed up. It's not accurate thinking. This is that same sort of mentality of like, if you don't have an orchestra job, you're a failure, which is just like, if that's what you want to believe. Okay. And then sort of on the flip side, uh, there are a lot of musicians that think I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a freelancer. I drive around to all these, uh, orchestras and you're like, well, that's not exactly what being an entrepreneur is. Like you're still trading your time for money. Like you have to, if you don't show up to that gig, you're not getting paid. So that's not, not exactly the true sense of the word. So I think there's, there is some kind of misconceptions about the word and misuse of the word. So in general, I I try to avoid it, but I think there is, there is that very real truth. That is when you get out of school, you can sit around and wait for the phone to ring and wait for someone to, you know, approve you. You can wait for these gatekeepers to say, Hey, we want you like, we're going to choose you. Or you can get to work and I love it. Who is, is it? I, everybody says it's these like Seth Godin, James Altucher, choose yourself. Right. And so I think that, that I, I love hearing more from you, Jason, about kind of that journey of choosing yourself and being like, you know, I'm going to do my thing. Sure. And I love my wife and I have this joke. We walk by like the wackiest street performer in San Francisco and we both go entrepreneur. Yeah, I can't stand that word too. Although I, I, I'm sure I have that in my bio somewhere, but yeah, it's, it's just about choosing yourself. Like you said, and, and trying to f- develop multiple income streams, right? That's something that mm-hmm. James Altucher talks about. And, and if you just, if you just start to think about ways that you can do that, that and some of them are time for money which is teaching playing what we all know and then mm-hmm. some are some are not yeah. what can you do that can scale and we have this invention that came along right when i started college the internet right but now you know a few decades mm. later yeah. it's 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 ridiculous and and for me i like accidentally built this sort of base empire. It's yeah. a better word for that, but totally <laughs> owed it, man. That's the base and, empire. And, well, and, and not totally unintentionally too. Right. I just started putting stuff out online. Like yep. I started this website as it was a student resource site for my own students. I yep. had like their lesson summaries and I had, and then I thought, Oh, and I still have that page. It's like, like lesson summaries from 2005. I have like, awesome. we worked on this and this and this. And it was a place where parents could go and I would like then I started to like this is pre right around when YouTube started so mm-hmm. I, I remember the first time I embedded a YouTube video it was like a big deal um, and then I started hey, to write and it just kind of like organically grew from there and I think what I did was I and and it's back to what we were talking about earlier like focus on what you can control mm-hmm. right like I could lots of things I can't control but I can't control like 
writing something mm-hmm. and putting it out there. Yeah. And like, and it just over time it grew and grew and grew and mm-hmm. 10 years later, uh, it's, it's, it's a, a major part of what I do. There's something what you just said is, is there something, there's some really powerful in there that it's like, if you are growing, like whichever section you find yourself in, if you're an employee, if you're a freelancer, if you can find some, some way to grow as a person, that is usually, I think one of the strongest ways to combat this like fidgetiveness and the sort of like the inevitable, like complainingness and like starting to covet, you know, whatever, whatever is on the other side that it's like, I have this time and I'm growing as a person. I'm and investing in myself and doing all these things that I'm getting better every day. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I want. That's what I, I want. I just want to be getting better. And I think people have a really hard time. So, okay, I, w- I want to start doing something. What, where do you even start? Right. And something that Gary Vaynerchuk, mm-hmm. I, who I, I listened to said, I, I, he's maybe not the best. Crush yeah. It. He's maybe Crush not the best it. model for people to emulate because he's so extreme in terms of that but he does talk about like making content an easy place to start is just document what you're doing already you know people will find that interesting Mm -hmm. what what do you do on a daily basis you're creating content whether you know it or not so finding a way to just um start there uh is is a really good thing to do and that's kind of what i did i was like it was all direct, yeah. d- directly around my base teaching that I was doing and then kind of mm-hmm. blossomed from there, but still pretty close to like what yeah. I've done my whole life. And I will say that that's a lot of my uh, story as well with the excerpt sites is I, my organization mm-hmm. was terrible of keeping like cheap music and recordings straight and knowing what recording I was listening to. And so I started uh, violent excerpts just as like a organizational tool for myself. And I was like, well, like if I, if I'm enjoying this, maybe other people will use it. But the, the truth is there is just so much information out there and it's so overwhelming. Like I've kind of forgotten how overwhelming it is when you're, when you only practice and only go to gigs, starting to think about how on earth do I start a website? How, why should I even put myself out there? Like everybody's going to think I'm a fraud. I'm an imposter and I don't know how to start a website. Um, and I love you have just created a course that really just condenses all this like plethora of information, uh, how to get started, how to um, just start. Just start. I mean, everything is <laughs> just like, start? go back to your, I haven't listened to your first podcast. I listened to a lot of them. Uh-huh. My guess is, please don't, probably, please, please and don't. for me as well, right? Like if I listen to my, I don't obsessively listen to my first podcast over and over. That'd uh-huh. be weird. But like, man, is it awkward? It is so awkward. <laughs> and I, I recorded that thing so many times. I made like test versions and this and that. And you're just, nothing's that great when you start anyway, just start. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You will get better. It's practicing in public. That's how it works and everybody's so worried about like we've been talking about this whole conversation about being judged but nobody's paying any attention mm-hmm. anyway they're just all on their phones uh thinking about other things so just start mm-hmm. get going yeah. and just commit I, I a really good place to start tim ferris talks about that you know he'd written a bunch of books and then he started the podcast mm-hmm. and he wasn't sure if he wanted mm-hmm. to podcast but he said i'm going to commit to six episodes and if i don't like it fine i think something like that or like i'm going to put one thing out a week for two months or six weeks, whatever, you know, pick and just like give yourself a framework like that. And so start, start with what you're doing now, find a way to put it out into the world. And the easiest way right now is video. 
I mean, video is because video can turn video. You'd think audio audio to me. I don't I don't ever tell anyone to start a podcast first. It's like start blogging. Right. I wouldn't. I, uh, yeah. I dance move. Yeah. It's Ugh. hard. It's hard. That's like a great second project. That's a great like. Yeah. You're down the road project. I think there are different mediums have different quirks. Um, but I guess that sort of the bigger question is why? Why should people? put themselves out there like what's what's to be gained first of all now you're not just michael good violinist right you're michael with the website right all of a sudden you're you you get reduced i think this comes from uh scott adams the dilbert guy Mm -hmm. he's the 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 secret to so many people's success is being like in the 90th percentile of a few things Mm -hmm. like two or three things right like i'm not the world's best baseball i'm not the best baseball in san francisco by a long shot but i'm pretty good yeah you know i'm not bad i'm not the world's greatest teacher but i'm pretty good i'm not the world's greatest podcaster and and if you can make one of those things public speaking, mm-hmm. that's powerful. So the great thing about doing video or audio or something and it being painful, it's like practicing and listening mm-hmm. to yourself, but you get better. If you can combine public speaking and one or two other things, you're you're already niching down pretty well. Ideally, this is one of the benefits of the podcasting for me is learning how to interact in the world. Yeah. And we like by talking. And I'm not good at that by nature, you know? Yes, I, I yeah. get by or whatever. But I, if you can improve public speaking, this is like one of the primary means of communicating rest, with the rest of the world. And, um, and also, I think one of, the, one of the things that for me is that it, it did become an extra source of income. And it's, it's income that works while I sleep. Mm-hmm. I can, I can go to bed. I can wake up. Hey, somebody bought my book. Yeah. Amazing. I didn't have to go to that gig. And that's a fun that's a fun yeah. feeling. I, I'll my I have, I have an Apple mm-hmm. Watch and it'll like ding with notifications. I should probably turn those off, but I'll get like, "Hey, new sale! I'm on a run." And I'm like, "I just made money on my run." It's- I used to have this really obnoxious ringtone that would because whenever it was sent to the email, I would go like "ching ching," and it was like real obnoxious. I have since turned that off. Oh, um, I loved hearing that. We would be like driving to a gig together and be like "ching." I'm like, "Somebody bought your book." <laughs> Yeah. Um, but that I don't think is a good enough reason to start. I mean, because it's monetizing, uh, presence online, blogging, anything is a very slow process. I think, well, it usually it is. I think there's a lot of these like, Hey, just start a blog and you'll make money. Like there's a lot of survivor bias out there. There's, there are an endless, uh, you know, stream of podcasts and books and videos all about this guy who started an internet business in his basement and now makes $30,000 a month, whatever it's, it's, it's not, it's not because of the money. I mean, yes, it eventually happens. And if that, and if you get rewarded, uh, because of your content with some money, that's nice. (laughs) Like I think not, not thinking of money as being the end all results. Like there are enough benefits of doing it and going through the motion and working on this muscle of putting yourself out it's there. All about, it's the, what's the business maxim way out here is like just providing. You gotta add more value. Or, hey, you are going to add value to this orchestra as a player. You're going to add value as a teacher. It's what it's all. And don't, mm-hmm. don't think about the money. Just, just, and also you make money lots of ways online. And some of them are directly mm-hmm. like you say, buying a book or buying a course, or buying a whatever. Some of them, I look at my own life. I got hired at DePaul university totally because of my blog. They, they could have, there was no reason for me to have been on faculty mm-hmm. there, but now I'm yeah. I taught there for like seven, eight years, whatever now, totally because of my blog. Okay. And, and I yeah. can think of so many of the other opportunities yeah. that, that happened like that, you know, 
because of what because of what I was putting out there, and that mm-hmm. led to a lot of financial yeah. uh, rewards yeah. long term. It, it is it is, it is possible it, it happens, but like none of us picked up the yeah. violin and was like, or the bass, sorry, and it was like, hey, I'm going to make all the money doing this. <laughs> there but are there are better probably. ways, but I I did it you know for one reason or another. Uh, for me, I I just had this uh, the guy who. Uh, makes these tuxedos for musicians sent me the tuxedos and like, Hey, you have, uh, you have this thing, you know, you want to review it and see if you like it and tell people about it. And I was like, okay. And he sent it also to Nathan Cole. And it's like, uh, I am nowhere on the same level of playing as Nathan Cole, but me, the schmuck in Indiana uh, has a website and a podcast. Uh, sure. That's awesome. So little things here and there, and that's nice to be rewarded. But again, I'm not doing this because I want people to send me free stuff. Like, <laughs> nice video, by the way. I watch. I have. I have the Kurigami <laughs> shirt. I have that. And, and oh, I'm like, yeah. I, I've never had so much interest in the men's changing room of a gig. Everybody's like, I know, oh, right? That. I can't imagine what yeah. the tuxedo. That was. That was. Uh, things got but, weird when I started talking. Like thinking of myself as like I have to model this this coat. Like I have to be very comfortable yeah. in my body. I was like, well, I got a little too comfortable. I got a little too comfortable <laughs> talking about my parents thought the Chippendales thing was hilarious. Yeah. Agreed. My wife, I'm all about it. my wife, my wife was not very happy with oh, me. About come, that. On. <laughs> come on, Andy. My dad thought it was hilarious because he follows the Instagram and he was like, that was what? amazing. That you was you just send that clip to any potential new student. That's the, that's the, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> maybe that would scare the student's parents away. Like, Meet your violin know. teacher. Oh my gosh. Uh, so where can people learn about your new course on making an impact? Yeah, it's the fir- first of probably many courses. I, I, I'm not sure honestly why I started with like how to do stuff mm-hmm. online, not with bass. I have no, it's, but it's one of those things that just felt like, the the where to start so i started a website for those because i see there being more in the future jasonheath.live dot live because every other consideration is gone yeah oh well i could have gotten dot ninja uh, dot some of those email. are expensive like they you know you hear these yeah. ads and, and you're like yeah it's just way cheaper hello dot co well also yeah. perservice.com was already taken so what are you gonna do so the problem with a common name <laughs> right ah uh, all right so Jason Heath dot live was I dot live and you can learn about right. uh, your new course launched well today right uh, today, today but, well, March but you're hearing this yeah. two days yeah. in the future so March 1st now available you can uh, uh, I checked it out it's very cool it's meaty it's punchy punchy nice make an impact thanks a lot I appreciate it thanks for having thank you for joining yeah, us thanks, thanks for, for joining on. I, yeah it was a lot it was a lot of fun I love I love talks like here is here is the final test is we have to do our sign offs and yeah. yes and now Jason is going to be on here great so Jason you want you want to just uh, jump on the end yeah I'll, I'll, I'll model right. myself after you count to four and you have to say and pressure. I'm Jason E. <laughs> Because that last one has an and. That's what I normally have. But I'll get last. I got it. You. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. I'm Michael O'Giblin. I'm Anna Luce. I'm Jessica Weersma. I'm Christian Marshall. And I'm Jason Heath. Woo! You know, it took us like 12 episodes to figure out how to do that. How to do we that? Just, yeah, we just kept jumping in with each other. Well, that is our show, folks. Thanks again to Jason Heath for joining us. If you visit our show notes page, which is perservice.co slash 23, 
That's P-E-R-S-E-R-V-I-C-E dot C-O slash 23, like the numbers, is where you'll find all the major points from our discussion today, including a link to Jason's new course called Making an Impact. That link is our affiliate link, which means if you do purchase his course, we will receive a small percentage of that sale at no extra cost to you. Just a small way you can say thank you to us. Man, so many great things to think about. What type of musician are you? Are you a freelancer? Are you an employee? Or are you your own business? And by that, I mean, if you took a week off and went to the beach, would you still be making money? There is one last category that is worth mentioning, and that is the investor, where eventually your money can go out and work for you and make more money. But that's kind of a discussion for another day. Our last two episodes actually is where we talk more in depth about making money and saving money. And those are also worth checking out. That's episodes 21 and 22. You can follow us during the week on Instagram. We are at Per Service Podcast. And another way you could really help us out would be to leave us a rating or review in iTunes like Fiddlecat here did. She wrote, fantastic resources, great insights and inspirational advice for anyone gigging, networking and auditioning for that next big job. Their witty banter adds to uplifting stories of success and the struggle in getting there. Oh man, that is so nice, Fiddlecat. Thank you so much for writing that. We absolutely love getting reviews and we absolutely read all of them. And we would love to read your review on our next episode. So just search for our show in iTunes and click write a review. We greatly appreciate the support from Siri Bloom, Kathleen Lovengood, Anne Brueggemann, and Sarah Lee for supporting our show on on Patreon. May love and laughter light your days and warm your heart and homes. And if you would like to join our community of supporters, head over to perservice.co slash patron, or you could also just search for our show on patreon.com. And I leave you with this final quote, success does not lie in results, but in efforts. Being the best is not so important. Doing your best is all that matters. Well, we'll see you again in two weeks. Until then, be well and practice well. 